Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If you got a problem, go to God first. Go to God first. That's step one. That is step one. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Step one, go to God. Physical ailment, go to God. Yes, you can go to doctors. They're good guys. They have solutions. Step one, go to God. Okay? Financial needs, go to God. Relational needs, go to God. Okay? Church needs, go to God. Right? What is your first response when you face some sort of hardship or struggle? Well, for many of us, we look inward. How can I fix this? And if that doesn't work, then the next step many of us take is to go to Google or text a friend. None of those steps are bad, but you've missed one crucial step. We need to take it to God first. He's the creator of everything with eternal perspective and infinite wisdom. And as Pastor James reminds us in today's message, he listens when his children call his name. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 21 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Today, we have a very familiar story, I think, anyways, in Numbers chapter 21, so you can turn there if you don't mind. The, the worst road trip known to mankind is, is still happening, although chronologically, like, we are at the end of the 40 years, right? So this is, like, this is the end. Uh, Miriam has died, Aaron has died, Moses is about to die. The, that whole generation has pretty much, for the most part, kind of died off with the exception of, I'm sure, a few. But we're, we're kind of like coming to the end, and they are like right there on the doorstep of the promised land is where we find ourselves today. So chapter 21, verse 1, the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in Negev, heard that the Israelites were approaching on the road through Athrium. So he attacked the Israelites and took some of them as prisoners. Uh, that's... Not a, not a good plan, uh, number one, okay? So, so just so we understand this, as they are cruising around through the wilderness, cruising around through this wilderness thing, they, this is like one of the first times where somebody's actually come out and has physically attacked them and taken some of them as prisoners. They are threatened. All the communities, all the tribes that are, that are around this area that they're passing through are all threatened by Israel because it's a huge nation. It's a big group of, of people, million plus people, trying to get from point A to point B, but they keep walking around in circles like crazy people, and, uh, and they're just trying to get to that one little strip of land up there. But every leader in the nation surrounding Israel sees them as a threat, okay? So this guy decides, we're just going to go out and, and attack them and take them, some of them as uh, prisoners, prisoners of war. So then the people of Israel made this vow to the Lord, if you will hand these people over to us, we will completely destroy all their towns. We'll wipe them out. The Lord heard the Israelites' request and gave them victory over the Canaanites. The Israelites completely destroyed them and their towns, and the place has been called Hormah uh, ever since, or what's that? Destruction. Um, so this guy steps out, is like, this is a threat, this is a danger. I think we'll just attack them. 
And then the people of Israel, for what seems like the first time, what seems like the first time in the wondering, I can't say this dogmatically, actually go to God. They actually go to God. Instead of turning and complaining to Moses, which is what they always do, we hate you, we don't like your plans, we don't like what you're doing, all that stuff, they actually go to God, which is smart. If you got a problem, go to God first. Go to God first. That's step one. That is step one. doesn't matter what you're facing. Step one, go to God. Physical ailment, go to God. Yes, you can go to doctors. They're good guys. They have solutions. Step one, go to God. Okay? Financial needs, go to God. Relational needs, go to God. Okay? Church needs, go to God. Right? That's the lesson. Point one, application point one, go to the Lord. They did. And they made a promise to God. If you will hand these people over to us, we will completely destroy all their towns. Lord, if you give them over to us, we will, we'll, we'll wipe them out. We'll finish them out. And so God did. So he did. He gave the, these people in this specific town, village, over to the Israelites. So they got back their prisoners, but then they also decimated the town and renamed it. Destruction. And they honored their word. This is another good, good thing for the, the children of Israel. They actually honored their word. God, if you do this for me, then I will do this. Um, how, many, how many promises have you broken to God? Is it too many to count? Because yeah, that's how it was for me. Before I got saved, I made a lot of promises to God. Lots of promises. I never followed up with any of them. Okay? Um, Lord, please don't let our car get in, in a car crash. Lord, please don't get, let us get pulled over by the police. Lord, please don't let us, a lot of don't let the police show up to stuff. That were a lot of my prayers, okay? Please don't let the police show up to this party. And sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't. And whatever the negotiation I had with him, I didn't, know, I didn't own up to my part. I can promise you that, okay? I don't know what I promised him, but there was a lot of that pleading on my behalf to God before I knew him, really. Here the Israelites are like, Lord, if you will hand them over to us, if you will deliver them over to us, we will wipe them out. He did, and they did. That's what you want your relationship to look like with God. If you're going to make a bargain with God, so to speak, or make a promise, then the book of James tells us, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Don't make a promise to God that you, like, you're not gonna, you have no intention to keep it all. Because number one, he's smarter than you, and he already knows that. And so if you're going to be like, Lord, if you, if you just do this for me, then I'll do this. You had better make sure you follow through on that. Make sure you follow through on that. They did, and they, look, they got victory. They, they got victory. They got their prisoner of war. They got their family members back. Because why? Because they actually followed through. They did what they said they were going to do. And then from here on out, it's just good. Like they just go strolling right into the promised land. Um, no more complaining. It's just beautiful, right? No. Sad to say, the, the story, the chapter goes on. Verse 4. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea, or your Bible may say the Reed Sea, which is probably right. It's a smaller body of water out there. There is some debate on when they first left Egypt, did they cross the Reed Sea, which is smaller? Because they couldn't have gone through the Red Sea, which is a bigger body of water, right? This is a debate that's out there, which is just really kind of silly. Because number one, look, if it's the Reed Sea, that's pretty awesome. 
Like if God drowned a whole army in like a, pot, a pond of water that's like three or four feet deep, that's incredible. That's a miracle. Like, yeah, that's even better than the Red Sea. So, no, they crossed through the Red Sea. They were by the Reed Sea. It's a smaller body of water. Mount Hor uh, is going to be, it's going to come back uh, in the story a little bit later. I believe that's the mountain that Moses goes upon to look into the promised land that he will never get to go into. Okay? Lots of familiar landmarks that are here within this story. But they, they venture back out. And they go around the land of Edom because, remember, the Edomites, like they wouldn't let them pass through their land. It says, but the people grew impatient. Well, duh. You've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Like, you should have grown impatient, like, day one after you didn't trust God to go into the promised land when he told you to. And when the two spies said, hey, it's, it's good. We should go in there. But now they're, they've, like, they've had it. They, they grow impatient with the long journey. It says, as they begin to speak against God... And Moses, always the pattern, going, speaking against God, speaking against Moses, the dude in charge. It, what, what happened to going to God and, and praying? We, we were just there. What, when did that stop? When did it stop where you just stopped actually like conversing with God and then switched over to complaining to, about God and about people? Stop complaining about people. Stop complaining about God. Go to him. Pray to him. Enjoy a relationship that you have with him that's only been made available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have such a beautiful thing. Such a beautiful thing. We have it so much better than they had. Even though they had this, like, the pillar and all that stuff there, we have it better than they do. So there's no excuse for them, but there is certainly no excuse for us. None. Whatsoever. If they were wrong, we are, we are more so. They're complaining, and they're whining, and they're just, the, their hearts are just not right. And here's their complaint again. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? I mean, how many times did they repeat this over the last 40 years? Moses probably got sick and tired of it. He probably just stopped answering them, right? Because after a certain point in time, you just stop. You're like, I'm not going to keep telling you the same thing again, right? I didn't bring you out here to die, okay? God rescued you from Egypt, from slavery. You remember that? Like how many times over 40 years do I have to tell you this? They complained. Here's their other complaint. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, although we just had the water from the rock not that long before this story chronologically. And that's not just one time occurrence. That was twice that God made water come out of a rock. Enough water to, to satisfy a million plus people. And their complaint is, we got nothing to eat. When you got manna, we hate that stuff. And they're about to say that. And there's no water. Well, he always gives you water. By the way, how are your shoes doing? Shoes ever worn, have they worn out in 40 years? No. I don't see you thanking God for that. What about your clothes? Still intact after 40 years. Nothing. Nothing about gratitude. Nothing about thankfulness. Nothing at all about any of that. It's just complaints, 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 complaints. They, They finish off the verse. We hate this horrible manna. 
<laughs> You're like, okay, you, you need to calm down a little bit. You're being a little dramatic, children of Israel, right? I mean, he has supplied you with quail. He has supplied you with meat. But they're like, we hate these frosted flakes that show up on the ground every single morning, right? You're like, it's heavenly bread. Like, I mean, I, I get it, but you're, you're only sick of eating manna because you're disobedient. It's on you. And here's the, the main thing is, they're not content with anything. There's no contentment at all. And they're just, they're just like so self-absorbed. Everything's about them. About them. Nothing of it is, has anything to do with God. It's just against God. Moses is just the middleman that they can attack when in reality they're actually going against God. It, it, it's nothing but selfishness. Selfishness. And after 40 years of wandering through the wilderness and miracles and miracles and miracles, the fact that God has sustained this whole nation through a wilderness, which is really a terrible wilderness. There's not a lot of food available in the wilderness. There's not a lot of water available in the wilderness. So the fact that he is able to sustain all of these people for 40 years in the wilderness is a tremendous miracle in and of itself. And at no point in time do we have any indication of these people ever saying thank you. That's, that's the tragedy of, of the wilderness wandering. Every day it's faithfulness by God, faithfulness by God, faithfulness. Every day, every day, 40 years, faithfulness, faithfulness, provision, provision. You lack nothing, you lack nothing. What you need, you have. And every single day, not literally, we want more. What you give me is not enough. I want more. My heart's not satisfied. The Lord knows how to satisfy our, our, our greatest needs. And, and here they go. I mean, they just turn the script on them, and they're, they're just coming at them. And so God is going to teach them another little lesson. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how this worked out. This is like Indiana Jones type stuff, I guess. If you've ever seen those movies, lots of snakes are involved in those movies. I haven't seen them in years, but snakes just come out of the wilderness into their camp. I don't know if you're a snake person. Some people are, and a lot of people are not, and, and that's understandable. I'm not really a big snake person. Snakes, poisonous snakes, come in. These are vipers, probably, come in among the people, and we're biting people. They <laughs> were just biting people. And probably, who knows, but um, they, these snakes may have been on a specific mission by God to go and bite the complainers is probably maybe what had happened there. If he can communicate to animals to go two by two to an ark, like to listen to this crazy guy named Noah, um, God may have been like, hey, snakes, all right, here, I want you to go and get these guys, all right? So they're going through the camp. They're biting people. It says, many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Okay, that's good. Repentance is a good thing, right? You want to you stop the death? Repent. That's how you stop the death. There you go. The cure for death is, is repentance. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. Now here's where, again, Moses is a tremendous leader. Because now Moses is all alone. Moses has no Miriam. 
Moses has no Aaron. Moses is, now he's not all alone, okay? So please never forget that there are leaders that he has set up, okay? All you got to do is go back into the book of Exodus where his father-in-law was like, set up guys. Some can rule over this many, some can rule over that many so that you don't have to judge every single case because Moses, you'll go nuts trying to deal with all these people's problems. But as far as like, the leadership designated by God to lead these people out, Moses stands alone. Now, he does have Joshua, his, his little protege, with him. And they're asking him, please pray for us. Moses could have been like, well, this is kind of what you deserve. It's kind of what you deserve. He could have been like, well, why don't you pray to God? Remember, you just prayed to him not that long ago about the battles and the victories. Why don't you just do it yourself? I'm tired of you people. It's not what he did, because it's not who he was. He actually was a good leader. And he was, he, it says he prayed for the people. He prayed for the people. Even though all for, for 40 years, man, they've been firing arrows at this dude nonstop. 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 He's had to put up with this. And every single time, he's come through and prayed for the people. It's brilliant. It's amazing. What, what a guy. What a leader. Truly, he is a shepherd. It says, the Lord told him, here's, here's your remedy. Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. You can't get an easier solution than that. that just stick up the pole with the snake around it and just tell people, look, if you want to be saved, look to this thing. That's all you got to do. That's, that's all you got to do. I'm assuming that well, I would like to assume that everybody actually did look at the poll and were healed. Um, if, that were, if that were to happen today, I, you can just hear the arguments, right? Well, it can't be that easy, right? It can't be that simple. Like, looking at the pole with the, the snake on a pole, like, that, that can't, certainly that can't be all it takes to be saved. There's got to be more to it. It's that plus what? No, it's just that. Just that. That's, you, you got bit by a snake? Good news. There's a solution. Look at this thing. Well, I don't, I don't believe that that's going to, I don't believe that's going to heal me. Okay, but that is the solution. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. You've been bit by a snake. You're going to die. The solution is this. There's no arguing with it because that's the solution. And in fact, Jesus would actually bring this up when he was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter three. It's like, there's a very simple solution, Nicodemus. There's a plan that God has for, for all of humanity. And that, that plan is still in place for us. Now, we're not holding up any poles with a snake on it. Jesus was lifted up for us. And the solution for us, because we were all snake bit. Every single one of us was snake bit. Into this world, snake bit. Like, that's it. So you have to have a solution. So John chapter 3, I'm going to read it to you guys. As Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus, I'm going to pick up in verse 13. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man who came down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So that, that's a key phrase, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Well, that's, well, wait a minute. That doesn't, everyone, everyone, everyone. Well, how do we know? You don't know. You don't know. You don't know who the everyone is. So here's the thing. 
Um, share the gospel with everyone. It's not for you to know. It's not for us to know. That's not our business. Well, I think God has predestined some just to, to die and go to hell. Well, I, that's a sad theology, um, theological point. But um, I think that there's hope for everybody. That's what I think. Now, what God has predetermined and all that stuff, that's his business. He didn't call us, any of us, to figure out who's in and who's not. He's called us to make disciples, which if you're going to make a disciple, you have to share the gospel at some point in time. Is that everyone? Verse 16, 3, John 3, 16. You, you guys ever heard this verse? Probably not. I'll read it to you. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, and there's that word again, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. They refuse to look at the snake on a pole. The remedy's right there in their midst, and they're like, I don't believe it, I'm not going to look at it. Okay. Then death is what you want. So then death is what you get. God is, God is very gracious. He will give you what you want. And if you want existence without him, he will give that to you. God doesn't force anybody into heaven. Because just so we understand this, Anybody who hates Jesus, to them, heaven would be hell. So we understand how that works. So he gives them what they want. What they want is, I don't want Jesus. Okay. Then you will have, then you will have no Jesus for all of eternity. That, that's, that's how this thing works. It says the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but the people love darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. That's Jesus giving Nicodemus a Bible lesson of a story he should have been very familiar with. And he was. And he was. But Jesus is, he's going back to Numbers chapter 21. He's like, Nicodemus, I'm going to be the snake on the pole. That's what's going to happen. Just like God used that to save the people in Israel as they were wandering around through the wilderness in their rebellion and how they cried out to Moses and Moses cried out to me and, and I came up with this solution, very simple solution. That's what it's going to be like from here on out. The simple solution is Jesus is the way. He's the way. So, Moses made the snake out of bronze, attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, that's it. Like, Paul references this in 1 Corinthians. Um, beautiful little story. But it's just a, another just presentation of, like, how simple the gospel is. But that's hard for some people to believe in. Because, again, it can't be that easy. But it is. And I know that's hard for, for some individuals. It, it's, it's a relief for some, and it's a challenge for others. It, it just can't be that simple. We've had people in this church, and they're just like, I, I've, done, I've done terrible things. There's just no way. Forgiveness can't be for me. It is. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken. 
I'm so grateful that I have the ability to tune into life-changing truth from the messages of Pastor James Grizzle right here on Bread for the Broken. It's like water to my soul. I'm in an unusually busy season of my life where if I'm not careful, I'll just shrivel up. At least that's what it feels like. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's God's way of telling me that I need Him. Not activities, Him. Not entertainment, Him. You get the idea. I'm not saying that these things are necessarily bad, but how long will I make God wait? He is patient for sure, but He also has a purpose for my life. If I decide to do things that aren't in line with Him, you can bet that He's going to check me on it. He'll keep me in the desert as long as need be, like He did with the Israelites after they escaped from Egypt. But I can take comfort in the fact that I'm in this space because something needs to happen within me, so I can be more like Him. If this message has resonated with you at all, would you consider donating to this ministry? You can find information on our website, breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, take a look around. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We think it's important to magnify the name of Jesus at all ages. So why don't you come out and meet Pastor James Grizzle and everyone else here? Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston, located in Galveston, Texas. It's our prayer that you're finding hope and new life in Jesus through the teaching of Scripture. Make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken.